John in the New Testament, John chapter 10. We're going to read verses 11 through 17, which will also be uh, the basis on which the sermon is built around these these, uh, verses. So would you listen together to God's word? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. May God bless the reading of His Word to us today. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, there really is, when you stop and think about it, there's an impressive array of of terms that God uses in the Bible for the church. And I've been going through a series on 1 Corinthians um, for about the last six months or so. And in 1 Corinthians alone, there are quite a number. At one point, we're called, the church is called the theater of God in this world. Another place is called a field. Another place, the church is called the temple. Another place, um, the church is called uh, a body. And, and then, of course, in this passage, we have one of the most well-known uh, uh, names for the church that you find in the Bible, and that is sheepfold or a flock. Um, this is at the heart, this phrase is, this idea of sheep, sheepfold is at the heart of one of the most well-known psalms in all of the Bible, of course. So this picture of the church as a sheepfold, I want to look at that today. It's, it really is wonderful news. Uh, it's news for us as Christians. It's wonderful news and it's really vital instruction for us that we know what it means that God has made us sheep, that God has given us a shepherd, and that God has made us one flock and and, and there's, there's so much blessing out of that. And then on the basis of that, what are we called to? What are we called to? So I think this is a very timely passage as well in our post-COVID period. There are three characters in this metaphor. The first is sheep. So, we just want to take a look a moment, since we're called sheep, what are the characteristics of a sheep? And right off, I think um, 
you have to stop and say this designation of being a sheep is a very humbling designation, right? It's not a high compliment to be thought of as a sheep in that sense. Um, but it's important, it's important, it's not, a, it's not a rip, it's just understand who we are. So it's a humbling thing. Sheep are very weak creatures. Um, if, you, if you think about some of those helpless qualities of a sheep, it, it, would maybe, it would maybe make this clearer to you. First of all, sheep truly are not the brightest bulbs um, in, in the shed, okay? They, sheep are not the smartest animals. Uh, there are some really sharp animals out there, but sheep aren't one of those. Um, but sheep are very needy. Sheep cannot live and thrive on their own. If, if, um, if you set another, many other animals out in the wild, and if you set them free, they'll revert eventually to the wild and to, uh, to being wild. Horses will thrive, for instance, in the, in the wilderness. Um, um, cats will go feral very easily and thrive. Dogs will pack up uh, for, for uh, efficiency of hunting and so on, and they will thrive, and they will go back to the wild. Sheep won't go wild, and sheep will not thrive. They're extremely vulnerable to predators on top of that. Um, they don't have these strong natural defenses. Think about a sheep now, and maybe you've not seen one up close, many of us, because we're city people, but you've seen pictures. They don't have strong natural defenses. They don't have fangs, right? They don't have big claws. They don't have massive horns, um, they just don't have much by, given by God by which to, to naturally, easily defend themselves. Sheep are needy. Sheep are wanderers. Sheep don't have a good sense of direction. Okay? Um, all of this comes not because I am an, an authority on sheep, but you, know, you, you have a, a lot of things that you can research uh, at, your, at your fingertips these days, and especially with the Google, and, um, but in, in other books and so on. So sheep are wanderers. They don't have a good sense of direction. They don't have long-range eyesight. Uh, did you know that if a sheep is within about 200 yards of the barn, it can't see the barn? It could grow up all its life, go into that barn every single day. If it is over 200 yards away from it, it can't see it and might not make it home. If one sheep starts walking away, um, the other sheep will kind of just start following it, the leader, and next thing you know, um, um, they're all off wandering in some direction, uh, according to the lead wanderer, and the lead wanderer doesn't even know why they're going where they're going. But then pretty soon they're lost, they don't have good noses by which they smell their way back, like a dog might or something, they don't have good eyesight, they don't have good sense. Sheep are emotional creatures as well. They're easily terrified. If a wolf or a dog comes in to attack, they scatter. They, they, they scatter in terror, all right? So that's one of the reasons why there are so many references in the Bible about wandering sheep. There's many, many psalms, many passages talk about lost sheep, talk about sheep scattered on the hills. This is the reason why, the, the things that I've listed. Sheep are also weak in the sense that when they are wounded, many animals, you know, will lick their wounds. I don't know if you've had a dog or you've had a cat, and you notice that they will lick their wounds. They will, they will uh, go to water or they will drink. 
Um, naturally, in the wild, many wild animals, the, the, if you want to find your wild animal that's wounded, you go to the, you go to the water because they go there and, and they, they have that strong instinct to survive and, and so on. But sheep, sheep don't do that. Um, they rely heavily on a shepherd to keep them healthy and to keep them safe and to keep them where they ought to be. And, and so whenever, um, um, whenever sheep get sick, uh, they, are, they are greatly dependent on the shepherd to, to fix their wounds and to give them water and to leave them in the pasture that they need and so on. Uh, an interesting thing about sheep also, you might, might not find this interesting, it's, uh, or you might, you'll find it interesting, but it's, it's uh, kind of distasteful. Um, but when a sheep, uh, if a sheep gets on its back, if it lays down and gets on its back, or if it falls and gets on its back in a kind of a low depression of ground, like a ditch or like a ravine or something, if it gets on its back, a sheep can't get up on its own. Um, and without, uh, without a shepherd to come along and roll it on its side and help it up, it will die within a few hours of being on its back. I've actually seen that. I haven't been around sheep a lot, but I actually saw that phenomenon. Um, so sheep need constant watch for all those reasons we've stated, but also there's, there's one other that I could mention, and that is that sheep, um, sheep will eat poison plants. They will eat poison leaves. Mo many animals, most wild animals, um, whether through smell or whatever, uh, most wild animals won't eat poison plants, but sheep will. So if you've got a poison plant in your pasture where your sheep are, they will find it, they will eat it because they eat everything, and they will get sick or die. Sheep are a social animal. Sheep do very well in a flock. They're fairly easily trained to remain in that flock. Uh, they will quickly follow a trusted voice. But they need protection from predators. They need uh, vigilance from their shepherd uh, to keep them from wandering away or bring them back uh, to help them up out of that ditch when they fall over, to lead them to water, to show them good pasture. Sheep need all these things. Now, brothers and sisters, this is how we are described by God in the Bible as sheep as sheep. And that's humbling. It's not a derogatory thing. It's not meant to rip you down. It's not made to make fun of you. So then why would it? Why would God call us sheep if he's not making fun of us? See, we all time tend to know this about sheep, that it's not, and it's somewhat humbling to be called one. And so we, uh, we use the term sheep in a kind of a derogative uh, uh, way, don't we? A negative way. But we typically apply it to other people, don't we? Um, there's this contempt. Those people are sheep, right? They're naive. They're easily led astray. They're very simple-minded. They're sheeple. You've heard that, I I remember during the pandemic, it wasn't very far into it, and I kept reading and hearing that description that was brought out by people, that the American people are sheeple, they're sheep. We'll do anything our government says, 
We'll do anything our church asks us to do. And of course, the person who said that was generally thinking that she was not the sheep. (laughs) Those other people were the ones that he or she intended to describe by calling them sheep. See, the fact is, we Christians like to think of ourselves as independent thinkers. We like to think of ourselves as strong, as survivors. We like to think of ourselves as the lions. But one of our covenant God's favorite terms for us as his people, there's some great ones, right? Sons, daughters, children. Those are great things. It's great to be called that. The people of God. But one of his favorite designations for us is that we are sheep. His sheep, but sheep. A flock of sheep. And an old professor of mine in uh, seminary, I remember he used to do this every once in a while, Uh, He would remind us, when we study history, when we study church history, when we study the history of civilizations, when we study the history of the Bible, when we study theology, when we study ethics, and the history of the church in dealing with many, many different things, said you will come along and you will read some of these things and you'll say to yourself, what in the world were these people thinking? Right? Right? When you look at history, it's not always a complimentary picture at times about the kinds of things that God's people have gotten themselves into or thought or did, right? What were these people thinking? He says, you will will see that and you'll shake your head at the silliness of these people. And then he would say, look, we are all people of our times. And he says, the fact is, um, we are the products of our own society. We were shaped by the decades in which we live. We ourselves live. And uh, some are good things that shape us and some things are bad things that shape us. Uh, But nevertheless, he said, you know, decades from now, people are going to read about our day and our time and how we face things like pandemics. And they're going to look at us and they're going to say, what were those people thinking? So he would say, You need to remember that. Remember that in pastoral care. Remember we're all people of our times. We're all people who are like sheep. We look to people we trust. We look to respected voices to give us guidance. We learn from childhood. We learn from our parents. We learn from our teachers. We learn from our pastors. We we learn from our vocations, we learn throughout our spiritual vocation or uh, formation, we learn to listen to the voices of other people around us. All right? That's not all bad. That's not at all all bad, right? If you're raising children, parents, it's good that your children learn how to follow your voice. Um, But that can be disastrous, too when we learn how to just listen to voices and to learn how to just follow them and learn to be totally dependent on them, right? There is nobody, the fact is there is no human being that is self-made. There is no human being who is self-taught. There's no such thing. You can think of yourself that way. You could say, I'm an original thinker. I'm a free thinker. I'm an independent thinker. You are not. (laughs) You have been formed. 
you have been formed throughout your life. God knows this about us. We need guiding shepherds. All human beings are looking for a good shepherd. All human beings. Have you found the good shepherd? Have you? I think all of us would agree there's a good shepherd out there. But do you know his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you follow the voice of a good shepherd? Do you follow that one? It's humbling, yes, to be called a sheep. But this is God calling us who we are. This is God calling us who we are. What we need to know about ourselves is in part that we are sheep-like. We need to know that. There's more to know from the Bible, but we need to know that. And we need to be humbled by that. We're needy, we're vulnerable, we're impressionable. We're in need of watching, watching over. We're in need of healing. We're in need of res restoration. We've been wounded throughout our lives. We've been hurt throughout our lives. We need to be restored. We need to be comforted. We need to be blessed. That's what sheep are, and that's what sheep need. Well, then you have a good shepherd. That's the second character of the passage. You have a good shepherd. A good shepherd, notice, we have one. This is really, really good news in the Bible, isn't it? Our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need as sheep. He knows what we need. And He gave us a good shepherd, the Bible says. Also, throughout the Scriptures, Old and New Testament, you have this designation. We have a good shepherd. If you, now listen to this, listen to this. You're saying to yourself, maybe you kids, please listen. All right? You have a good shepherd if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you trust in Jesus Christ, if you follow Him, if you want to, uh, uh, to trust Him and to know Him and, and to uh, honor Him, if you listen to the voice of Jesus, then Jesus is your good shepherd. He is. Your faith is in Jesus. You trust that He's your Savior, that He died on the cross for your sins. Jesus is your good shepherd. And that means Jesus has been given by God the Father the responsibility and willingly and joyfully took this responsibility to be your shepherd. So it's humbling to be a sheep, yes, but Jesus tells us that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so it is also very exalting to be called a sheep, because why? Well, our passage tells us in verse 14... I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. Right? I know my own, and I am known by them. See, those who aren't very knowledgeable about sheep, and that would be most of us by, by profession, we don't know that much about sheep, we can look at a flock of sheep out there, if you drive on the road, or if you go to the zoo, or you see a flock of sheep, and, and you could say, well, they all look alike, right? 
All sheep look alike. But to a shepherd who is familiar with his sheep because he is with them every single day, all day long, because he's known them since birth, the sheep are not all alike. The sheep are very individual. Jesus says, I know my own. I know my own. That includes the entire group of God's people, and it includes each one individually. I know my own. He knows your personality. He knows your characteristics. So if Jesus is your shepherd, then you need to know this. He knows you uniquely. He knows the whole congregation of Emmaus Road Reformed Church, but he knows you uniquely and intimately. And so he knows all of your needs. He knows needs that nobody else in this congregation knows about you, but he knows them. He knows your fears. He knows your doubts. He knows your worries. He knows your sorrows. He knows the food you like to eat. He knows the colors that that are favorite to you. He knows all the interests you have. He knows your taste in music. You all thought this morning that I was going to do a drum solo, right? I had to get that in somewhere because I was like, you're you're fascinated by the drums. You're like, what's going to happen to the drums, right? I don't know. I don't know. But he knows your taste in music. But he also knows your hopes, and he knows your dreams, and he knows your job, and he knows, um, he knows your hope of wanting to get married someday, and he knows your desire to be renewed in different ways. Every hard, every horrible, every horrific thing that has ever happened to you in your life that nobody else might even know about, Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus knows every sin that you commit. He knows them all. We're, we're never getting away with something, right? He knows. He knows everything. Jesus knows the specific things that tempt you. Jesus knows the things that you are particularly tuned into, that you are most susceptible to. See, Jesus knows all of these things. Jesus is Almighty God. Jesus is Eternal Son Jesus is the eternal God. He knows all things. He sees all things. Jesus knows all those things about you intimately, and he loves you. He loves you. And he loves you with a love that will not let you go. That's the kind of love with which Jesus loves his sheep, with a love that will not let you go. See, got to tell you, brothers and sisters, nobody knows you and nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. So when you cry out, Jesus, do you care about me? Jesus, don't you hear me? Jesus, do you, do you, are you listening to my cries? Do you even know me? When you cry out like that, and you do, we all do at times. Listen to what Jesus says here in John chapter 10. I know my sheep. I know you. I know you better than you know yourself. And I care, and I am listening, and I love you. That's what you need to hear your good shepherd saying to you in John chapter 10. I knit you together in your mother's womb. He's known you a lot longer 
than you've known yourself, right? The Proverbs tells us each one knows the bitterness of his own heart and the stranger does not know its joys, right? You know the really bitter, hard things that are going on in your life. You know the joys that are going on in your life and nobody knows them like you know them. But Jesus knows all of it. And Jesus calls you his sheep so that you know. Why does Jesus call us his sheep? Because he wants you and me to know that you are loved and that you were delighted in beyond your wildest imagination. That's why he's telling us this. Because that's what a good shepherd is. That's what Jesus is. And he wants us to know this. You won't know this otherwise. But he wants you to know that. And that is exalting, isn't it? It's humbling to know you're a sheep. It's exalting to know you are loved and and known and accepted by the king of the universe. He makes intercession for us every day, all day, continuously. He is making intercession for us, as our high priest, Hebrews, tells us. See, we are the valued possession of our Savior. And we are under His care and we're under His protection all the time. But there's more. Look at verse 15. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, in the Old Testament... You might remember about King David, when King David was talking, he was a shepherd and he was a youth and he talked about the fact that there were times when he had to to take up arms to defend his sheep against wild uh, uh, predators coming to kill his sheep. And he would would take up um, uh, uh, his sling and he would take up his sword or whatever else he had and clubs and he would fight off, he said a bear and he said he fought off lions Yeah, any of you ever fight a bear? Anybody fight a lion here? You know, you don't normally come out okay when those things happen. But David had to fight to protect his sheep. Well, that's what a shepherd does. And Jesus is a shepherd. And he knows there are attackers. But Jesus is committed to his sheep. And he will do whatever it takes to take care of us. He will do whatever it takes to protect us. He will heal our wounds. He will provide us food. He will provide us the drink we need. He will provide us uh, all the cares that we have. Uh, He will find us and bring us back when we stray. When we go away and wander off and take off and get lost, he will bring us back. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I came to do that. Are you lost? Have you been lost? Do you know somebody who's lost? They need a good shepherd to come and find them and bring them? That's what Jesus does. And why do people wander from Jesus? Well, you answer the question. Why do people wander from Jesus? Well, because we're rebellious. We're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I was a wandering sheep. I did not love the fold. I did not love my father's house. I loved afar to Rome. That's what sheep do. That's why they're wandering. Sin, rebellion, self-love in that extreme sense. 
I'm going to run my own life. I'm going to call my own shots. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to make myself the measure of all things. All authorities are me. That's what we do. And we run away from the good shepherd because the good shepherd is saying, no, 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 you need to come here. You need to come here. You need to listen to my voice. No, no, I want to listen to my voice. No, you need to listen to my voice. You see, where are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to your voice? Are you going to listen to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? So, brothers and sisters, we wander, and this is one of the dumbest things we do as sheep. We wander away from the good shepherd. But Jesus comes for us. Jesus seeks us still. What is the sheep's greatest enemy? The savage wolves, the predators, those who come to scatter the flock, those who stalk it. What, what's our greatest enemy? Our greatest enemy is death. The hirelings doesn't stick around when being attacked. When the sheep are being attacked, they're not his sheep. He's, he said, I didn't get paid enough for this. I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around when the sheep are being attacked. It's too dangerous. I'm gone. This passage says, Jesus doesn't ever desert us like the hireling. Even when there's death to be dealing with. In fact, he lays down his life to save those sheep. Personally and specifically, Jesus laid down his life on the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross and was nailed to the cross... Every one of your sins were nailed to the cross with him. Past, present, and future, every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit has been nailed to the cross on Jesus. He was bearing all of that sin when he died on the cross. And he laid down his life because our sin has brought us to death. The wages of sin is death. And we are dead. By nature, we are spiritually dead people. We are dead in trespasses and sin. That's the bad news that the Bible has to tell us, and we have to know that. We have to understand that. We are dead. And in the face of that death, Jesus took our sin, and he paid the entire price necessary for that sin, and it is removed. It's completely gone. Though your sins are red like crimson, they are white as snow. You are no longer under the penalty of death. If you were in Jesus, Jesus came to save us from death and from sin and from hell. Isn't that exalting? Isn't that exalting? This is what a shepherd does for his sheep. Doesn't say he did it for the lions. He does it for the sheep. It's so exalting. Jesus places this incomparably high value on his sheep. Our good shepherd saves us. And he places us in his flock, and he makes us safe within that fold. So that's the final thing we want to look at in this passage. And, and you find it in verse 16, and it says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd, one flock. See, the Bible tells us Jesus is seeking and saving that which is lost. He is gathering his people together. He's gathering this much-loved, redeemed sheepfold. And 
Remember how we saw that sheep are not meant to be alone. There are no loners. You can't say, I'm a loner sheep. I am a sheep that's an anomaly. I can be separated from the flock of God and I can get along just fine. I don't have to be a part of the people of God. No, that's, there's no such thing in the Bible as a loner sheep. They cannot live that way. Jesus makes one flock. And we need to be in it. We need the food that he has to offer. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm ministering the word of God, and the word of God, preaching of God's word, is our food, and it is our drink for our souls, and and it is how Jesus has appointed that our our faith will be uh, nourished and established and strengthened so that we we are uh, uh, instructed, we are corrected, we are trained for righteousness so that the man of God and the woman of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need that food, and he provides it. What did Jesus tell Peter after Peter had sinned and he restored him? He said, Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That was was what an apostle and that's what a pastor was supposed to do. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them all things that I have commanded. That's what the, the, the teaching offices of the church are supposed to do. So what do we need? One flock needs to have food. One flock needs somebody to help them when they wander. Jesus has appointed pastors and elders. There are elders and pastor in this church, and Jesus has appointed them. And he's appointed them to seek and to find and to gather and to bring back into the safety of the fold those who wander, those who are struggling, those who are going through grief, those who are going through anguish, to come to them and bring them comforting, to bring them the healing a message of the word of God, to bring them uh, um, the, the, the words of comfort, the words of encouragement that are, are the gospel hope. And that's their job there, to come and bring those to you so that you will hear his voice, the voice of your shepherd. Jesus says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send to you another comforter. That means he's a comforter, but I'm going to send you another comforter. So you have two comforters. The comforter is Jesus. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us God the Father will comfort you in all your needs. So you have three comforters, the triune God, one God, three persons. You have comforters galore. And those comforters, those comforters will bring you the comfort and the, the, the healing word that will strengthen us and build us up as God's people that will love us, that will care for us, that will accept us, whatever we're like. And that word that they bring is important because we are, remember I said earlier, we're susceptible to bad voices. We're, we're susceptible to voices that we shouldn't be listening to. We're susceptible to the voices of false shepherds. We all are. We all are. Right? We're in need of guidance. We're in need of of, uh, being corrected from self-destructive ideas that really are not good for us, that we're prone to hear. And so he provides trusted and faithful counselors and teachers to help us along the way. That's what our shepherd does for that that one flock. I don't know if you remember, this is a passage I had to read. I had to leave out some, and I wanted to include some of other passages in Scripture that talk about this whole idea of shepherding, but Acts 20. Acts 20 is a very important passage that that reminds us of something about what Jesus um, 
means by saying that we are shepherds uh, in one flock. And uh, Acts 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves. He's saying this to the elders of the church. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The congregation votes on you, but it's the Holy Spirit who made your elders your overseers. Do you know that, right? From the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He bought you with his blood, and he cares for you, so he gave you overseers and shepherds. Now I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So these are the ways we have needs, right? These are the ways we have needs. So God gave you overseers, overseers, pastors, shepherds to do all of these things to help you. Now, no pastor, no shepherd can do all that work in their own strength and their own wisdom. And you know that and I know that. Um, It is Jesus who works in us to help us to be faithful shepherds, faithful pastors, to bring the ministry of the love of Jesus, the care of Jesus to the people of God. But Jesus placed those men in your lives, in our lives. Jesus placed the elders of this church in your lives, brothers and sisters, because we are one flock and we need shepherds. And you have shepherds who will lead you and feed you and guide you so that you will be this one people of God. That's the responsibility of your overseers, your your pastor, your elders, and your deacons. They've been given by the good shepherd, okay? Now let's bring this together. Brothers and sisters, you have problems. I have problems, right? Right? All elders and all deacons and all pastors have problems. Now, we don't know what your problems are unless you tell us. Unless you share them with us, unless you ask us to pray with you, unless, and and you don't know how to, you don't know the problems, nobody else in the congregation will know your problems unless you will share those problems with other people as well. And so that's part of what it means to be one flock. We need, to, we need to go to each other and we need to say we need the voice of Jesus in our lives. I am needy and I need the voice of Jesus to keep me and hold me together with you in this one flock. Now listen to this. If you are convinced that you can be a sheep on your own, if you are convinced that you don't need to share in the life of other sheep, all these other people here, I don't need you. I can go live on my own very well, and I can see you once a month, and I'll be okay. If you believe that, if you are convinced of that, then you really don't understand anything about this metaphor of the sheepfold and the shepherd. If you know yourself, you know that you cannot live the Christian life on your own. The greatest quarterback in the world, right, needs what? His team. (laughs) The biggest, baddest, greatest soldier in the world cannot win a war without what? The rest of the army. 
the Air Force, the Navy, and everybody else. The greatest first-chair violinist in the world cannot play a symphony on her own without the rest of the orchestra. So, brothers and sisters, we need our Lord Jesus and what he teaches us here. Believers are sheep. Are you a believer? And you're a sheep. That's humbling. You need a good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Lord and our King. That's pretty exalting. That's pretty wonderful. But Jesus has placed us in his one flock with himself and with each other as our one shepherd. And he's done that for our care. He's done that for our protection. He's done that for our blessing. And it is our calling and response to be truly grateful to God for this gift of making us his sheep, of giving us a shepherd, and placing us in that flock so that we will be cared for now, but so that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, these are unspeakably wonderful truths that you have given to us out of your word. And though we haven't been able to absorb them fully, perhaps yet at this day, pray that you would help us to think on them. We pray that you would help us to receive them. We pray that uh, you will not allow Satan to snatch them out of our hearts. We pray that you would not allow us to twist them or turn them to our own um, ways, but let the full truth and impact of the words of eternal life reach us today and, and help us to see who we are and whose we are and help us to rejoice in being a part of the one flock of God who are trophies of your grace, who live in this world as a light that is shining and is to shine through lives that are made new by you and made, made whole by you. Father, continue to be with us today. There are among us, as always, we are a people of God who are sheep. We have wounds among us. We hunger, we thirst. We have wanderers among us, those who wander away. Maybe our own hearts are wandering today. Whatever is our need, come Lord Jesus, come Good Shepherd, meet that need, draw us back, make us your own, glorify your name in us. According to your mercy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.